hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 4, Chapter 10, the final episode, The Choices of Master Samwise, exploring commitment in community. So Anna, this... This chapter features some more Shelob. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you recall any formative spider moments <laughs> in your childhood. Well, there was a collective experience that you and I had. Oh, tell us more. <laughs> that in now my aged wisdom, I regret deeply. But you and I were home alone. And I mm-hmm. believe we were... Maybe in, I was maybe in early middle school. And so you might have been in late elementary school. But in any event, we were quite young. And so we were hanging out at the house by ourselves. For what reason, I cannot recall. Because it was like a work day. Like somehow mom and dad, I think we're both at work. Mm-hmm. And there was a massive spider that I think was in your room. Mm-hmm. And so our solution was to, one, panic, of course. Two, I believe we built some sort of barricade around said spider in your room, mm-hmm. which was not exclusive to, but did include closing the door, but also maybe, like, stuffed animals and, like, some pillows and, like, mm-hmm. art supplies. And then I believe we called a parent at work to be Mm -hmm. like there is a huge spider in ellen's bedroom please come home immediately this is an emergency Mm -hmm. it was it was an emergency and i believe there was a very stern talking to that followed this call to be like i think we need to reevaluate what emergency means Mm -hmm. and it's that someone is harmed (laughs) that there is an active like threat on our household Mm -hmm. that cannot be squashed by a book right so figure it out (laughs) y'all i remember this because it was brown and furry and to me that was unusual that was an unusual spider to see in the house and if i recall it might have been in my bed where like i pulled back the sheets and then Mm -hmm. there it was cozy in bed right the the very intimate nature of this threat Mm -hmm. was part of the panic and then also the fact that you and I were a little sciency as children. And so I believe made a, a, in our minds at the time, logical leap that this was a poisonous spider. Right. This is like a brown recluse. Yes. I've probably been bit. We have minutes left before the venom gets to my brain. Right. So Hurry. if anyone has any, <laughs> any questions, I have always had anxiety. <laughs> And Ellen's imagination has always been very vivid. And the two of those things combined meant that sometimes as children, we made very poor decisions about threats. I forgot about that. I'm really glad that you brought that up. So thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for this little trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. It was probably like Shelob's baby. Right? I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely sizable. Mm-hmm. That was a great little throwback. We didn't quite have the bravery of Master Samwise in that moment. We were not filled with rage, fury, etc. 
to face down the spider. I do think we ended up stomping it with like someone's snow boot. I think push came to shove and we <laughs> yes. had to get in there. But... I believe a parent was like, I'm not coming home for this. Right. <laughs> you need to figure it out. And so we were like, well, the best option then is, as you said, a snow boot because it just protected you more from what was assuredly <laughs> like the poison that was going to leak out. Right. A regular shoe would not would not cover it. It had to be something sturdy. Right. I stand by that. I stand by that. <laughs> well, believe it or not, we, we made it to this day. And now I'm ready to hear what your actual story is. Because that was just, that was a little snippet story. But now mm-hmm. you're going to tell us something related to commitment and community. Yes. So as I was thinking about commitment and community, there were quite a few stories that emerged, but I think the one that's perhaps most nuanced and most interesting is the decision that my partner and I made to get a dog. Mm, Commitment. (laughs) Commitment. Yes. So this was several years ago. My partner and I were not yet married, but we were living together. We had both talked about wanting a dog, had both wanted and had dogs as children, and so felt like reasonably confident that we could that we could handle that responsibility given our jobs and living situation. So we started to, as with all projects that involve me, do some research about what dog breed would make the most sense, what age we were looking for. And so as we sort of whittled through those questions and whittled down our our options, we finally found a site that it's almost like a dating site for finding rescue dogs. It's called Pet Finder. I love Pet Finder. It's so sweet. And it's such a rabbit hole to go down if you are already teetering on the precipice of committing to an animal because there are so many little sweet faces that need homes. So we had kind of found a couple on the site and we would go on visits in an attempt to meet the dog, kind of get a vibe for how they, like their energy level, you know, where they were living. And so we, we did a mix of dogs that were in shelters and dogs that were being fostered. We finally went and met one little black lab who, black lab mix, who had been rescued from Texas. And he was about like nine, ten months at that point. He was being fostered in a home that he was fostered with other dogs and with other cats. So he seemed pretty chill around other animals, which is a big plus for us. Ultimately, we decided that we were going to add him to our family. And he was such a sweet little muffin when we met him that he just like kind of, we took him for a little walk and he flopped down on our feet. Um... (laughs) And it was just, it was such a lovely moment that we were like, oh, this is definitely our dog. So I think we had to, we had to pay something and sign something and maybe wait a little bit. And then in the meantime, um, my partner and I were working through like what names we wanted because we did not want to keep his original name. So we landed on the name Odin, which was a good fit for him, even though he's kind of a, he's kind of a dopey boy, but we love him anyway. And I remember a couple of things. One is there were a lot of moments really early on that uh, my partner and I were a little less sure of that decision. I mean, ultimately, Odin was still a puppy when we 
had him first move in with us and we were living in an apartment. So noise was a consideration, you know, so we were working through trying not to get him to bark, trying to get him to settle down in his kennel. There was one very fitful and fateful evening where he would not settle in and my partner can sleep through just about anything, but I definitely could not. And so I was up pretty much every half hour with this little puppy trying to get him to like quiet and feel like his, you know, pack was near him so he would settle and no amount of like radio noise seemed to be comforting him. And of course, like the next day was you know, like a big day for me at work. So it's just one Perfect. of those classic moments. But perhaps most notably is that, you know, now that we're into a flow and we're into a rhythm with a dog, we do think about, you know, all right, if we're going to go travel, we've got to think about where he goes when we're traveling. Is he coming with us? Is this a space that we want to um, or can have him? Should we kennel him closer to the event? Should we kennel him at home? You know, how long, like, food changes, you know, vet visits, medications that need to be given monthly, you know, to protect against flea and tick. It is a big commitment, and though certainly our father would tell us that having a dog and having a child are not the same thing, <laughs> and he's very clear about that, that there is still a level of responsibility, right? Like this this entity is dependent on you in ways that they cannot solve for themselves. So, you know, we have to pack a whole bag for him when we go stay overnight places. We need to be sure that we're thinking about his schedule and how long has it been since he was last out and when do we typically feed him. And like I said, we're in a good rhythm now. Odin's um, just six, maybe going on seven. And he's a very good boy. But it, it was uh, a longer road than we initially anticipated when we first committed to him becoming a part of our family. But ever since then, right, we've had like lots of people compliment us on he's really sweet and he does well when he travels. And I think we just mostly got lucky. Um, but it's been a good sort of community building experience to meet other dog parents and and to kind of find a little bit of community there, but as well as to add Odin into our family as the beloved, <laughs> like, pseudo-niece and nephew to our to our siblings. So yeah, that's, our, that's kind of the biggest commitment outside of marriage and some financial commitments, like buying a car, probably, that I've made in my life. And it's been a good one. It's been a good one, though not always an easy one. I think... A lot of good things aren't always easy, and as a fun aunt, I certainly have never regretted you guys getting a dog, so. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times, good commitment, and it is something that I feel like your community has bought in on. You've had family members watch Odin. He's a part of the team, and we love him so much. Mm-hmm. I was talking about him this weekend. We were talking about working dogs versus not working dogs. And I was like, oh, my sister has a not working dog. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a not working dog. He is definitely a couch yeah. surfing, popcorn eating little lump. And we love him dearly he's for it. and we love him.
Okay, but before we get to just 1,000 dog stories, um, perhaps we should figure out what happened in our story today. Ellen, would you recap the events I would love of the chapter, to. please? This was such a action-packed, um, exciting chapter that it's going to be really fun to recap. So I'm not going to do voices, but I did consider like fully reenacting. I would love that, um, but I respect your decision <laughs> to yeah, not maybe do next voices. Time. Okay, great. Maybe next time. Okay, great. Because I really want to hear your shag rat. <laughs> right. And like, also, we'll see where this takes us. Maybe I do. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm thrilled. Take it away. So this starts with a battle to the bitter end between Samwise and Shelob. There's slashing. There's biting. Sam is really giving it his all and not being quelled by this giant beast that he's fighting. Shelob is her own demise. As Sam is below her, almost overcome by the putrid stench of her underbelly, she drives herself onto his sword and stings herself, pricks herself. And that, plus... Galadriel's file of light finally scares her away into her lair. She has essentially been defeated. We see no more. Sam runs to Frodo. Frodo is bound and gray. He's in cords and Sam thinks he's dead. So the big decision, the name of the chapter, comes from what Sam decides to do next. He is considering a lot of different options, but in the end, unwillingly really decides to go on with the ring and leave Frodo there. So he leaves Frodo but then as he's walking away the orcs come. He puts the ring on to disappear but no ring on Frodo and the orcs find Frodo. So as this happens and the orcs find Frodo and start to carry him away Sam realizes that he made the wrong choice and his place was with Frodo all along He does not want to abandon him, even in death, even to save Middle-earth and the ring. So Sam chases the orcs as they run back into Shelob's lair. The orcs cannot see Sam because he has the ring on. The ring, we learn some new things about it. It gives him the understanding of the orc language. And so he learns what their plans are as he chases after them. Where they're taking Frodo. That Frodo isn't dead. And that the orcs guess that there is a companion to Frodo, someone who cut the rope, and they think it's a large elf warrior. Sam, unfortunately, does not catch the orcs in time before the gate closes. And the chapter ends with this quote. Frodo was alive, but taken by the enemy. And I just thought that was a great ending to the whole two towers to this book four and to our chapter. So I wanted to bring it to my recap. Yes, I, it's such a cliffhanger and I didn't recall that this is how the chapter ended. So I was kind of waiting for a little bit more resolution or some of um, what I had remembered from the movie. And yet we find ourselves just, Hanging on by a thread with uh, what will Samwise do next? So that's what we had happen in the chapter. 
very cliffhangery, very it felt like this was something that would be now released chapter by chapter and it's like, oh you have to wait next week to find out what happens next with Frodo and Sam and the ring. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely a lot of, I think, potential examples for us to dive into as we're looking today into commitment and community. Did you want to start us off by reading some of the examples that you you found in today's chapter? Certainly. There were, as you note, many. So the first is just right smack dab away at the beginning of the chapter. And it's really the whole confrontation between Sam and Sheila. So there were a couple of choice quotes in here, and I thought that it would be a good a good example. So first of all, Sam is filled with rage and feeling, you know, perhaps heedless to any of the danger around him, or perhaps is also feeling bravery through his rage. But right on page 381, my, my first page of chapter 10, it says, quote, No onslaught more fierce was ever seen in the savage world of beasts, where some desperate small creature armed with little teeth alone will spring upon a tower of horn and hide that stands above its fallen mate. Again, Sam is just like super committed, right, to, to disappearing this threat mm-hmm. to Frodo. He's mad. He's real mad. And that carries on from 381 into 382. So, quote, Still his fury held for one more blow, and before she could sink upon him, smothering him in all his little impudence of courage, he slashed the bright elven blade across her with desperate strength. So he is just giving it his all. He's making his best effort to both kill this threat as well as seek a little vengeance on behalf of Frodo. And that also allows him to, quote, fought to master himself and to drag himself out of the swoon that was upon him, right? So his commitment to Frodo is what is booing him in this moment, especially in the face of something so putrid and so gross as she loves underbelly and smelly smell. Stenchy stench. Stenchy stench. So that was really the first example, and it continues on for a while. So we can see a lot of commitment there, both, again, to the battle itself as well as to Frodo, and that's really where he's drawing some of his strength from. But then, as Ellen noted in her recap, on page 386, we're sort of immersed in the decision-making of Samwise. Will he continue on? Will he stay with Frodo? What's the decision? And so... Quote, on page 386, quote, But the answer came at once, and the council gave him companions so that the errand should not fail, and you are the last of all the company. The errand must not fail. I wish I wasn't the last, he groaned. I wish old Gandalf was here or somebody. Why am I left all alone to make up my mind? I'm sure to go wrong, and it's not for me to go taking the ring, putting myself forward. And then he kind of goes on to say, but you didn't put yourself forward. You're just kind of the last man standing here. And so if we are committed to this overall journey for justice and for protection of Middle Earth, then we've kind of got to commit to doing this on our own. And that's ultimately what he says, quote, he drew a deep breath, then take it. It is. And so that's him deciding to, to continue the journey. Such a hard choice. And, I mean, it was an impossible choice at the beginning, right? When Frodo 
with maybe 10% of the information that one would need to really understand mm-hmm. the weight of this choice, elects himself ring bearer. But he's also making that in the context of having all of these other very skillful people around him to support the cause and to get him to Mordor and to help make that journey, even if maybe in like the tiniest part of his heart, he doesn't believe that they'll all make it to the end. I think Sam then is really in a tough position to say, it's just me in my Mm -hmm. like skills assessment. I've got to figure out where to go, how to get there, and then what to do with it once I get there. But that's what we we set out to do. And so that's what I'll do now. Right. And like what I'm really good at is knots and gardening. And I don't know that those two things will come in handy. And there are no here plants here. <laughs> and there no is plants. one piece of rope that I have. Yes. One magic rope that I trust Frodo doesn't trust. But he does. He goes. He goes and he moves forward at least a little bit. At least a little bit, right? And so then we see, as he sort of moves on from that decision, this commitment to return to Frodo. So on page 387, quote, He'll come back to this spot when the job's done, if he manages it, and then he'll not leave you again. So this is Sam promising to return to Frodo, and I just, again, their relationship is so strong. Sam's sort of belief and love and and commitment to Frodo supersedes all else. Not only is Sam committing to taking the ring forward, but he's also committing to making a return journey to Frodo Mm -hmm. and then never leaving him again. That's just such a, I don't know, it's such a lovely sentiment in the midst of all that is very, very dark and very grim to have Sam be like, but don't you worry, I will never leave you after I take care of this one thing real quick. Mm Mm-hmm. Sam is the light. He is he is the light in the story. Way more than Galadriel's file of light. I mean, Sam just he brings joy and love to whatever chapter he is in, and I think that's one of the reasons he's basically everybody's favorite. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and then on page 391, we see Samwise a positive delight. His commitment to Frodo is why he's everyone's favorite. And that shows up again on page 391, where he's he's approaching a very dark tunnel, mm-hmm. right? So he's following these orcs. Shagrat and what's his name? <laughs> Whatever his name is. And he is wearing the ring, right? So this is kind of a big deal. This is his first foray into ring wearing. And, quote, It no longer seemed very dark to him in the tunnel. Rather, it was as if he had stepped out of a thin mist into a heavier fog. His weariness was growing, but his will hardened all the more. So he's trying to catch up to these orcs and his commitment to this information that they're sharing, to knowing more about their plot, um, is what allows him to perhaps bear the ring as long as he does. Mm Mm-hmm. And so close to the enemy, too, in, like, almost the lands of Mordor themselves. Right. Just hot step in his way into danger. Mm-hmm. Samwise the stout-hearted. That's exactly right. That's why they're going to tell stories about him. And then sort of the last example that I saw was uh, perhaps a lack of commitment from our friends, let's see, Shagrat and Gorbag. 
And so they're sort of chatting back and forth about what it means to work for their current, quote, big bosses. And that, you know, they're sort of talking about what they'd like to do once the war's over. And that they'd ultimately like to go somewhere and have no big bosses. And that it's always the poor Uruks to put slips right and small thanks, quote, but don't forget the enemies don't love us any more than they love him. And if they were get top sides on him, we're done too. But see here, when were you ordered out? So in this last example, they're sort of talking about like their lack of commitment to this cause. They really don't believe that they're going to be supported, appreciated for their contributions. They're not committed to like the overarching scheme of power. They're more just like, I don't know when this is all done. Like, let's Let's bail and not have bosses anymore. <laughs> Let's just mm-hmm. go set up our own stuff and call it a day. Yeah, the leaders here, Sauron, Saruman, they're not really inspiring anybody to follow. They are leading with fear. Mm-hmm. And that is made some not particularly loyal orcs in their command. People are running away when the going gets tough. To the benefit of all of our heroes. But it's fun to hear these two <laughs> kind of talk about it like it's a job they don't like. Mm-hmm. Oh, the bosses. Blah, 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 blah. Hate them. Right. Is it Friday yet? Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Like I like this quote. Quote, what do you say? If we get a chance, you and me will slip off and set up somewhere on our own with a few trusty lads. Somewhere <laughs> where there's good loot, nice and handy, and no big bosses. Like, just mm-hmm. here's our retirement plan, and it's that we're never working again. It almost sounded like a wedding proposal a little bit. Like, <laughs> what do you say? And all this is over. You and me, pal. <laughs> right. Together forever. Mm-hmm. Our trusty lads. Yes, with some trusty lads. So that was really the the last. But, I mean, the commitment from Sam throughout the entire chapter. I mean, we could pick, I don't know, all of the quotes, basically. Because that's what he's doing. Yes. It's astonishing. He's making a lot of choices, as the chapter would tell us, and he's also committing to sort of the larger scheme of returning the ring and saving Frodo. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sam, for being a blessing, as always. All right, so those are my examples. Perhaps shall we move into our talking with Tolkien quotes? Yes, I'm ready for some for some talking with Tolkien. Fabulous. Take us away. Well, unfortunately, my first two quotes you have already read. <laughs> Classic. I was like, surely she won't hit both of these. <laughs> she um, did. But you Sorry did. About that. You sure did. And they're both on the, the beginning. So the, the no onslaught more fierce was ever seen quote. Mm-hmm. And um, at the bottom of that page, 381, the stench of it almost smote him down. Still his fury held for one more blow. And before she could sink upon him, smothering him in all his little impudence of courage. That part I really like. Yes. So those... I, I love the, the Sam fighting quotes, but my last my last talking with Tolkien is really the whole baby paragraph there at the end. The great doors slammed to. Boom. 
The bars of iron fell into place inside. Clang. The gate was shut. Sam hurled himself against the bolted brazen plates and fell senseless to the ground. He was out in the darkness. Frodo was alive, but taken by the enemy. So good. I love that there are no exclamation points. It's just boom, period. Clang, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> boom. Clang. Boom. Clang. For some reason, I thought that was very funny, but it also made the situation feel more grave. Mm-hmm. Like instead of like a Batman, pow, kapow, bang, slash, it was the periods lended itself to the gravity of the situation of he mm-hmm. is small and outside this giant gate hurling himself against it. Frodo's inside alive and needs needs to be rescued. Right, right. Will he do it? Tune in next time for the adventures of Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> it totally has that, like, will Sam and Frodo ever be together again? Yes. Will Shagrat and Gorbag ever retire? <laughs> Tune in next week, you know, like. Yes, that's that's what this is. And I love it. I love the clip. I love a cliffhanger. Yeah, it was, and again, as someone who's who's read these books and seen these movies a bunch, it was it was still a pleasant surprise to be like, oh, that's where that ends. That's fun. <laughs> we love this. We love this. So those were mine. Which uh, which talking with Tolkien's did you have? I had a couple. So one was on page three eighty three. Quote, as if his indomitable spirit had set its potency in motion, the glass blazed suddenly like a white torch in his hand. It flamed like a star that, leaping from the firmament, sears the dark air with intolerable light. And I loved that. <laughs> I love that quote. I cannot hear the word firmament without thinking of singing in the rain. Firmament. <laughs> Firm, firmament. Yeah, that's how she says it. Mm-hmm. So yes, I loved, I loved that writing. And then um, I had to do a shout out on page three eighty four to the last paragraph, really about Shelob. Mm-hmm. Quote: Shelob was gone, and whether she lay long in her lair, nursing her malice and her misery, and in slow years of darkness healed herself from within, rebuilding her clustered eyes, until with hunger like death she spun once more her dreadful snares in the glens of the mountains of shadow, this tale does not tell. And I was, like, particularly amused by this, because it's like, does it not tell? Or are you telling does us it? right now? <laughs> is that what happens? <laughs> is, that, is that it, though? <laughs> With hunger like death is how I will describe the next time I'm particularly hungry. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's that's a good phrase to have in your arsenal. Mm-hmm. Man food for 20 with hunger like death. <laughs> I have hunger like death, and so I'm going to need man food for 20, please. <laughs> Um, and I just like this imagery, too, of her, like, nursing her malice and her misery, just, like, yes. and kind of murmuring to herself about how she's frickle, been wronged. stab me. It's so good. It's so good. In this musical that we're writing. With her petty thoughts, she healed herself from within. With her petty thoughts and her internet stalking, she finally tracked down her ex. 
I love her so much. Oh, man. Shelob, the secret, the secret hero. It's like, yeah, wait, do we, do we like Shelob in the books? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. She's written in such a way that it, she's both terrifying, but also kind of hilarious and relatable. It's like, right. like, again, if we cast our, um, current characters as like high school comedy coming of age characters like she's definitely the bully but who has some like relatable maybe humanistic traits to her that make her hard to hate just outright (laughs) yeah you love you love to hate her you love to kind of want to be friends with her right right she love (laughs) the musical (laughs) (laughs) that's right I forgot that we had that idea, but... And that we trademarked it live on we air. We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patent. 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 Pending. Okay. And then my last quote was on page 389. And it was just a kind of a nice, a nice quote about the ring. So it says, quote, Certainly the ring had grown greatly in power as it approached the places of its forging. But one thing it did not confer, and that was courage. And I just liked that we drew a distinction between mm-hmm. power and courage. I think that's an important reminder. And the quote just did it so nicely. And I like that because it shows that the courage is coming from Sam. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this ring's doing a lot for him, but the the strength to keep going and that that's just him. Mm-hmm. Pure Samwise. Right. Well, and I think it it kind of speaks to, like, some of the, perhaps, motif of, of the, the series, really, thus far, is that the power of the ring seems to enhance, like, not-so-helpful traits in some of our characters, right. right? Like, it brings out the very worst part of Boromir, but that with some of our folks who have much more pure or sort of honorable traits like those seem to really offset the enhanced negativity the the corruption that comes with the ring and i think we see that all through chapter 10 with mr samwise yes 100 percent. so those are my quotes well thank you for all of these quotes even though you stole two of mine, I'm glad mm-hmm. we we got to talk so much about the lovely Sam and the formidable Shelob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great minds think alike, so yes. I think it was important that we called them out twice. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as we transition um, to our next segment, we will move on now to the action item. So this is the part of the podcast where you will share an action item for us, something that we can do as the listeners to strengthen our community. What action item do you have for us today? My action item is to commit per your values. Mm. I find that your commitment is much easier to, or much more straightforward to prioritize if it is considered and committed in alignment with your personal values. That is such a nice, not, I think, easily actionable always, but very straightforward and important action item. One of those that's going to take a little bit of work and a lot of practice, but very worthwhile. 
I agree. And I will say that part of the reason I thought this was an important action item is that this is something that I'm trying to work on in myself, right? So mm-hmm. it is not it is not from a place of like, I've done this and so you should too. It's like, I'm also having a hard time remembering that I cannot do all things. Mm-hmm. And so if I make some commitments that are intentional and planful and aligned with my values, it doesn't become easier to commit to them, but it perhaps becomes less of a moral quandary, perhaps, to to follow through on those commitments. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Anything that can help navigate difficult situations, I'm 100% for. Right. So let us know how it goes. Send us an email or DM us on Instagram. Yeah, Twitter. <laughs> a place Instagram. where we now are. Yeah, we're, we're around. Tell us about how it goes. Mm-hmm. Send us your tips and tricks. <laughs> also, yes, this is just us looking for advice. <laughs> yeah, you and thought, tricks. You thought mm-hmm. this was about us sharing how to build community, and really, it's about you telling us how well your community building is going. That's right. Jedi mind tricks. Well, speaking of emails, I feel like we should shout out. We received a really wonderful email earlier this week. And just thank you for everybody who has taken the time to reach out and let us know that you're enjoying the podcast. We appreciate hearing what everyone is up to, what you're liking. um, And so please keep those coming. It's very motivating to hear that people are enjoying hearing us chat. Yes. It's also affirming that we aren't too far out in left field at any point with some of our tangents of our childhood so your your affirmations that you enjoy those only assure that more will come so do with that what you will (laughs) that's right today's podcast was brought to you by shagrat and gorbeck's pawn shop at an all-new time on the history channel 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central our music is by robert zahn and simon dom if you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Um, I don't know if this is going to make it to the final cut or not, but before we dive in, I just wanted to tell everybody that a five-piece reggae band has camped out in front of my apartment and the drummer is on fire so if you hear any any drums please note that that we're 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 sorry if that's ruining your listening experience but this is this is the best we can do for you it's a zestier experience in the minds of Moria than our fellowship yeah. had. If orcs had rhythm, right? think of it as like an immersive cosplaying moment for you, wherever you are. Imagine you're in Moria. This is a live action role play <laughs> as provided to you by us. That's right. <laughs> Your favorite podcast. <laughs>